I'm seeing all these things around me and all these people around me and all these different images that are showing what they think is immediate success rather than putting in the necessary work to prepare for that. Welcome. What up? To the Habits of the Few. What we got for them? Where we discuss habits, rituals, and mindset tactics that you can use to reach your version of success. Yeah. And now, here's your host, Mona Bolsi. Astor Chambers, born and raised in New York City, uh, husband, father of three amazing little girls. I'm a marketer, a speaker, brand builder from a trade standpoint, and person who loves people and just bringing out the best in them. How how were you able to identify the trajectory of like what you wanted to accomplish in life? What kind of scenarios did you have to go through? What kind of environment were you raised in that led you to become the successful man that you are in every facet of your life? And if, if, if it wasn't just one thing, was it a scenario of different things? Was it influences from people, influences from the situations that you were a part of? I would love to hear a little bit more about that. It's a number of different things. I think the first one is uh, the foundation of everything that I do, and that's just God. I think once I built uh, my relationship with him, it made everything a lot more clear in terms of understanding his plan and just walking in his plan. So that will come up a lot in our in our conversations, but that's the starting. I think the second piece is my parents. So I am first generation American, born and raised in New York, as I mentioned earlier, but my parents came from Jamaica. So my parents came from Jamaica together. They just got married and came in like the early 70s and moved to New York to have a better life, right? You hear about America, all these different opportunities. And I think one of the beauties of that, and again, this feeds into the overall premise of how I've been able to thrive in multiple ways in my life. Having them come from Jamaica, they weren't they weren't raised in the states around the stigmas of racism, which in the 80s, 90s, and even 2000s, as we are definitely seeing, uh, still prevalent to this day, has major implications on you when you're when you're growing up, and when you come from a family who had to deal with that burden, that's weight that's then carried over to you, whether you know it, like it or not. So these are weights that I know a number of my peers have had to deal with from an early age to now as, you know, adults and professionals. Where for me, I was in a household that didn't have that, which means I never was brought up with thinking that I was less than because of how my grandparents were treated or my parents were treated and their great grandparents, which already starts you off at a less than starting line, right? Because you're already thinking less than yourself because of everything that your family had to go through. So they came here with an understanding like they work really hard for what it is they want and what they can do. And they put in the work. And if you put in the work, you get the results. And if you're a kind, good person, things will happen. Never thought of you're going to be judged by the color of your skin, so you need to be prepared for that and whatever. Now, me saying this does not mean that I did not witness and have to deal with these things. However, I did not have those programmings in my head when going into things. So I, too, walked around and felt as if I was just as good as everybody else, not looking down upon anybody who didn't look like me. Do you think that helped you or made you worse? I absolutely think it helped me because... Having that thought and that fear um, and just that notion, you're already going into something because you have a history of seeing it being done to others. So you now will think, well, damn, this needs to happen to me too, so now I need to prove myself or I need to be aware of all these things. Now, again, not to say that I did not witness heavy levels of racism, um, and we'll, we'll definitely see how some of those in systematic oppression, all that I've had to deal with, but there was something interesting about having parents who did not have to deal with that and didn't have that heavy burden, anger, um, to feed into everything that they were telling me and building within me. So that's another, the next key thing. I think the other one was that growing up in New York City, I grew up around a number of different types of amazing people. Upper West Side of Manhattan, where literally in an apartment building, so I don't have any siblings, so the people that 
were in my building were like my siblings, the other kids who lived in on the 10th floor, the 14th floor, the 16th floor. And they came from all different backgrounds. One was Jewish, one was Greek, one was African. Um, and so with that, my gumbo or my, you know, at that point was instilled in me at a very young age, right? It was never about just associating with one or just having to be around one or just knowing one. It was always one of embracing this diverse thought and look of people. Like, that's what was normal for me. So to go somewhere and see just whether it was all white people or all black people, like, that's not what I was brought up in. So it provided me with a lot of different dimensions of context of different type of people. Like I was exposed to bar mitzvahs and Hanukkah and, and Greek food and African, like all these different things at a very early age. So I think that is another um, lever that was unlocked early in me to be able to see with a very broad perspective. I think the next piece that then helped add on to that was high school. I went to Fame High School. I don't know if you ever saw the show Fame. It was a huge show back in the day. Sounds familiar. Yeah, so it was a... It was a uh, a talent high school, an arts high school, where you had dance, um, drama, instrumental, vocal, and, and art. School? I went to the school. So the TV show, <laughs> it was on TV, I, and I went to, it was LaGuardia High School of the Performing Arts, right across the street from uh, Lincoln Center. And so it was a specialized public school. And why I say that is because usually public schools you don't need to take a test for, but they were three specialized academic schools in New York, and then there was a one art school. So with the art school, you had to take a test or audition to get in for your respective art. So it's also a, a, a scenario where kids came from all over the city. So it wasn't just kids in that area. So I went to high school with kids from Brooklyn, kids from Queens, kids from the Bronx, kids from Staten Island, kids from Manhattan, where I'm from, kids from Harlem, all over that came to this high school. So now that's another level of exposure and diversity that was on 1000% because when you get that in high school and you're exposed to not only these different types of people, but these different type of talented mm -hmm. individuals who have this gift that's been honed in on and people have been, you know, pouring into it to refine it, enhance it. And now they're all committed to being excellent in these gifts there's a level of competition and just um, focus and just engagement that's on, again, 1,000%. So that had another battery in my back. The next piece is I was in sport. So I was also into basketball growing up in New York, and I played a ton of it. I wasn't the, the best. Uh, I wasn't the worst, but I definitely held my own. Obviously, my height did not help a lot. You don't need to laugh at that, buddy. There's a lot I said, and you didn't laugh at anything but that. But listen, as a point guard, um, I think that also unlocks something for me that is still very prevalent today. And point guards are the ones who really orchestrate the team and how they move, how they think, and putting people in the best places to thrive and succeed, right? As a point guard, you're literally calling the plays, you're getting people the ball in the spots that you know that they can excel in, whether it's a, a shooting guard, a forward, or a center. And I think that notion of helping others and being a leader came from those basketball skill sets and principles. Um, so when you ask that question, what, what was the thing? It's not one thing. I think I now have, have the discernment and the wisdom to be able to look back and say, I see how these things played a role in shaping who I am and how I carry myself in life, both professionally and personally. So, I. It sounds like you're naturally adaptive, which not a lot of people are. Yeah. You're able to adapt to circumstance and environments, and you're able to leverage those situations to excel in whatever thing that you're trying to excel in. So <clears throat> my question is these habits, these things that you were able to pick up across the journey of your life, 
Did you ever consider them to be habits? Did you ever consider them to be like, these are little tactics that I have to adopt and leverage so that I can reach whatever potential or whatever goal that you may have set for yourself? Were you aware of that or was it like it just happened instinctually? And then the, the next piece is that most people struggle with just setting a goal and actually accomplishing that goal for the day. Like as much as I need to make 50 calls today reach out to 50 calls, or I need to send 10 emails, or I need to, you know, text all of my loved ones that I love them, or whatever the case may be. And it becomes um, paralysis by analysis. And, and we just start procrastinating over the most trivial, simplest tasks. So I guess my question would be, because you seem like this was very, you're, you're a natural at being able to be adaptable. And then also be coached and also being able to have leverage like leadership qualities and skills. Did you have trouble navigating like maybe in your early adulthood Absolutely. to becoming the man that you are today? Absolutely. And if so, what kind of things were you able, what, what kind of things were you actually having to, um, I guess, utilize to become the person that you are yeah. today? You know, yeah. I think, um, no, I did not know uh, the things necessarily then. Um, I, I knew there were the, some core values in me that I continued to dig deep in, right, that I think helped sustain me and move me through all these different um, endeavors, all these different challenges, and all these different opportunities. And I think as you look at these core values, um, you know, it, it's, we all have choices, on what we choose to put our energy in, right? And the things we choose to stand for or believe in and be a reflection of. That's all a choice. And I think I made choices to align with those things. And I think looking back now, it, it probably was to get me closer to my purpose, right? I was, I was, but I was. How did you know? I, you don't. I think what I, what I did, it's not about knowing. I knew that there were certain things that I, I felt good about in terms of the way I handled things. Mm. And what I mean by that is there were, so, there were so many times where I was in many instances where I'm like, why is this happening to me? I didn't do anything to deserve this. Why didn't that opportunity come to me? Mm. Why did this person treat me like this? Or why did this outcome happen so like this? So it wasn't necessarily negative self-talk. You were just questioning like the, the scenario, like, yeah, the instances. And then it, it, it's, it went from why is it happening to me to then everything is happening for me. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing that I think so many people overlook is the fact that struggle and adversity are part of the journey, right? So not everything went my way, air quotes, whatever that means, right? We always have this vision on how we think things are supposed to happen. And if we don't, if it doesn't happen that way, then it wasn't a success. It didn't work out when really that was the success. The success comes in going through the thing that's happening that may not be going the way, air quotes, in which you envisioned it. But there's such a learning that you can get from that. When I built that muscle dog of understanding that everything is happening for me and everything happens for a reason, as cliche as that may sound, and I was able to go through things and know that at some point I'm going to see the benefit and the reason why, whether it's in a day, a week, two weeks, two months, two years, who knows? There's going to be a time where it's all going to make sense as to the why. And that why sometimes is not necessarily just going to be for your benefit. Mm -hmm. That why could be for others who had to see. You literally have, you have the one thing that if people knew what it was, they would kill themselves for it. And, and that's self-awareness. And so, and, but again, self-awareness is, uh, it, I don't want to say it's a lot of pressure. I think my self-awareness comes from, I'm a child of God who's guiding my right. steps. Right. So that helps to alleviate a lot of the burden and the worry right. and the pressures. Because I know who's carrying me. Right. I know who's guiding me through. I know that all I am is a vessel to build his kingdom. But you're not going through it blindly. See, no, I, no, 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 no. So I've been Check. around all kinds of churches and religions Check. and whatnot, right? But I can tell you one thing. Most people go through life 
literally just navigating blindly, not yeah. understanding why the things that are happening that they're happening. Right. And it's that blind optimism that leads them down major destruction 1, because they're not doing the work. There's 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 one thousand. There's you right still there. you still have to do the work. And yep. by no means am I saying that no work is done. And I just you know. I don't want to say let go, let God, because that that is what I do. But right. to the literal sense of literally not doing anything and thinking everything's going to come to you. That is not it. Right. It is you literally, no matter what, you're taking a step every day. Mm-hmm. And you're literally walking by faith and not by sight. Right? right? So I'm walking through all these things knowing that there's going to be adversity. There's going to be challenges. And, and that's, that's okay. The welcoming of these things is another element and another level that I rose to once I started to welcome adversity and struggle and knowing that it didn't define me, it's only refining me, that was another unlock. Because so often people, they want to avoid the challenges. They want to avoid the adversity. They want to avoid the struggles, right? Because I think we're also in a society that doesn't necessarily show that part of the journey. We just see the end goal of somebody's popping bottles, great Mm -hmm. job, money, cars, clothes, all these things, great jewelry, watches, but they don't see the journey, which the journey is the real Mm -hmm. peace. That's the peace. And so I'd like to share more about the journey, the ups and downs, the trials that I embrace. I embraced some I didn't in the early stages, right? I had to go through many of them, not with this mindset. And I kept thinking, why is the to me, not for me? And I evolved into the for me. So now it's about how do I give this story, give this info to people to take this way earlier than when I got it. Because at the end of the day, Everything literally happens for a reason, and you're going to make it through. What that make it through looks like is different for everyone in every situation. However, you're going to make it through. Now, the hope is you take your learnings from it, and you find out how you can evolve. What are the things you can do differently or not? Because all that is a choice. We all have choices. You can choose to continue to do the same, or you can choose to evolve in figuring out ways to learn from what you've gone through. And again, these are some simple principles, but it's some of the simple things that need to be reinstated and re-rethought and go back to consistently. Because if you don't have your foundation, then what are you building your house on? I think it's the. I honestly think that our society today. Overanalyzes everything and yeah. overcomplicates it. I think, like, if you take even like the most basic fundamentals, let's look at basketball since you yeah. know very much about it. Pardon me for messing up on some verbiage, but um, you can't just go. Even if you had all the talent in the world, yeah. go and expect to be the next Michael Jordan without learning the basics Boom. and the fundamentals and being able to figure out step by step what you need to do, right? Boom. Whatever the fundamental may be. Yep. Maybe it's dribbling a ball. Maybe it's sprinting. Whatever. Right. And so, which takes me back to like today's society, because everybody gives crap to the millennials, even though the millennials are a, are a prime result or um, they're a prime result based on their fathers and their mothers, mm-hmm. right? So we're, they were the ones that raised them and now they're in this environment and they think that they lack grit. They think that they lack tenacity and, and, and that may be so. And it could be the sense that it's not really subject to millennials. I think it's more on the lines of, they're too comfortable and because mm. they're comfortable because they're maybe their parents did better than the, the parents before them mm-hmm. and they were able to provide uh, a good life for them mm-hmm. stable whatever i'm not necessarily yep. speaking of wealth but like they're comfortable they don't have to worry about oh my mom can't afford the mortgage this month and where am i going to get five dollars to go buy a sandwich with my friends whatever the case yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, right and because of that comfort what happens is they become sedentary and because they become sedentary, they end up living at home for a lot longer. They yep. start taking things for granted. Yep. They don't necessarily know where they're heading. They go to school, they get a degree, and then they realize that they're not even using the degree. Or they go for a degree and they spend an extra two years because they didn't like the thing that they wanted well, to do yeah. in the first place. And don't get me started on the educational system because that's something that's <laughs> going to drive me nuts. But yeah. the fact of the matter is, is that, okay, so does it, does it start? Because even though you come – now, the most successful people I've ever known – are immigrants. Yeah. And would you say that, I guess, learning through 
learning through just how your parents how your parents were raised yeah and how your parents raised you yeah did that have a lot to do with just a natural like i gotta go get it attitude versus hey i'm just gonna sit back because i'll tell you what if i didn't work when i was a kid I got the belt. Yeah, I got no, no. At, I got this, that, or the other. I, like, absolutely. Get your ass out of here and go work. Absolutely. I think it's the example and the principles that are instilled early that, once again, you have to choose to implement. Right. You have to choose to embrace, right? Everybody has a choice. So why do people choose to do the easiest thing? Because we are now, and I'm not picking on millennials, but no. I'm just going on the scenario that you, you, yeah. you brought up. Yeah. Because we are now in a society of what I call content overload Mm -hmm. and having access. We're in an access overload time frame, meaning people can see, touch, and do things in the blink of an eye. Mm -hmm. So we've come from an era of what I call the cooking in the oven. You know I love to cook. You've had Mm -hmm. some of uh, my food before. Where when you cook in an oven, it's all about the prep. It's all about the slow cooking, letting something marinate, sit, go through the process, taking it out, sitting it out, letting it settle, then cutting, preparing, and dishing. Yeah. That's the era we came up in, right, where it was a process. There were stages. There were steps. We are now in an era of the microwave. People want to take something out, throw it in the, in the microwave. Three minutes, nuke it, it, comes out, and it's supposed to be amazing. And the correlation I make with society today is with this information overload and this access overload, they're seeing nothing but the end product of what they deem as greatness, Mm -hmm. right? What they deem as success, what they think deem as living the life. But they're not seeing all the stuff that came before that. So they are programmed now to think, well, oh. I need to be popping tomorrow. If I'm seeing all these things around me and all these people around me and all these different images that are showing what they think is immediate success rather than putting in the necessary work to prepare for that, then yeah. Social media really is a double-edged sword. Social media is a major double-edged sword. But again, it's about the choice on how you Mm -hmm. choose to consume Right. Mm -hmm. Social media. So I look at, you know, with this information overload, you have to be the best guard of the content in which you take in. But not only the content you take in, the way you digest it. Right. Because when people say like, oh, technology is a curse or social media is. It's not a curse. It's not a curse. It's not a a curse. It's It's a tool. It's a tool. And if you know how to use the tool. Then you can leverage that tool. To if not, way. if you pick up the, the, the chainsaw and you don't yep. know how to use it, yep. you might hurt yourself. You yep. might cut your leg off yep. or somebody else's leg because you're not equipped or trained properly to do so. And we are very much in the air where it's just people just want things to happen overnight for yeah, them. Instant gratification. Instant gratification. Microwavable. Yep. And uh, I think there's obviously pluses in there somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I have to say, the oven type of approach, the working the process, and being diligent, um, and putting in the work, whatever that means for you. And please, when I say work, you know, that's the other myth that we have to break down, that we can really go deep on. We are so programmed, we are so programmed to think that busy, air quotes, Thank that you. busy is success or what you should be doing. Production. You, production, right. Yeah. Busy is production. When really, the state of being is, that's production, because it encompasses a a world of multiple things, like taking a step back and resting, Mm -hmm. sitting down for a minute, whether you're not doing anything, quote unquote, and just being, getting more in tune with you, the things you really are into, or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's the state of being. So not the state of busy. We are definitely a world of state of busy. You need to be busy, and if somebody's looking at you to say, "Oh, they're productive." Yeah. Where the state of being—it's a stigma, man. It's a major. It's a nasty I, stigma. I have, when I'm on fire and I'm completely in the zone, I can get. I'm more productive in yeah. three hours than I am in eleven. Boom. And it's just finding that happy medium. It's understanding like how you work. It's like then you're just losing. You're losing focus. You're wasting time. There's so many great analogies and here's one that would uh, that sticks deep with you I'm sure. Working out. Mm -hmm. 
people think the longer you work out, the more productive you are. Where I know you will attest mm -hmm. that the shorter period of time and the more productive you are in that period of time, the better. So it's about choosing wisely how you spend your time. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean you have to be busy all of the time. The state of being just calm and at peace and quiet for a moment actually also helps you to be that much better when you are in your busy time. Right. You need that right. to be your best self. Right. You can't just be busy, 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 busy all the time and think you're operating at the most optimal level. Let's use some logistics here. So given the circumstance of a lot of people are still working from home. Yep. Okay. You've been, you've been, you're, you're a consultant, so mm -hmm. you're able to kind of work from everywhere. What are some of the logistics, like some, I guess, some uh, day in the life, things that we can do that help you stay on track, whether it be, you know, a calendar, what, whatever it is. Yeah. Like what, what are the things that you do? So you're, you're on it constantly and you're making sure that you're not wasting time and you're on ready for those calls. So I think there are, there are a couple of things. And, and this translates, I think, also into business, um, business principles. You know, in everything, you have to look at what are the non-negotiables. Yeah. Meaning, what are the things that no matter what, that's a non-negotiable in terms of it, that can't come off the table. Mm -hmm. That's a must. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of musts that help me to be the most productive me, which then can help be the most productive for those who I encounter, both personally and professionally. So one of the non-negotiables, I need to have my time with the word. I need to wake up in the morning, read my scriptures to get me reinforced and my armor for the day. Would you consider that? So prayer can also mean meditation? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For people to just get that, that center of peace within them. I, I re My recommendation, how I do, I start the day with that, out the gate. I then get my literal word of the day, like the spiritual word of the day and the things to get after. Like today, I think, was inner peace, which is so appropriate, mm -hmm. right? Like, what is your inner peace? Um, and so starting with that, that's one non-negotiable. Like, if anything jeopardizes or infringes on me being able to do that, then I already know off the top. This is not something I should be doing. Before you continue, let's talk about that real quick. Just yeah. kind of pivot. I think a lot of people underestimate, nor do they not realize, the power of the brain. <sighs> and the fact it's that... the strongest muscle we have. 1,000. So most people don't realize that they, they, they just wake up, they have their coffee, they do their thing, <clears throat> and they think they're just going to blow right past it. Like, you, this needs to be trained. Mm -hmm. The brain needs to be trained. And, and whether it be through faith and prayer, whether it be through... Journal, meditation, you got to take time for yourself to help reset the, and set your body for the day. An for the another day. great example that has a correlation to what you do a ton and what we're very passionate about is working out. Yep. You would never just jump into a workout without doing what? 1,000. Stretching, bro. Warming up. Warming up. Loosen your Stretch. joints. Loosen your joints. You're not just jumping right into a workout or better yet, an athlete. You're, you're going to pull something and hurt yourself mm -hmm. really badly. Mm -hmm. And the older you get... The quicker and more often that will happen. This is also a good boom. Because that the, part. The older that you get from a mental state. There you go. The, the more implications. You're have, yeah, and you're going to have to climb a, a higher, a steeper, yep. higher mountain because yep. the principles and the foundation are not there. Especially if you've never had them before. It's like they all say, like you're, like you know, when a toddler. Before the age of seven or something, yeah. you're able to absorb a tremendous amount of information. Yeah. It gets significantly harder year by, Absolutely. year by year. So if you're in your mid-30s, 40s, 50s, it's like going against the grain. You have to work that muscle. Yep. Not to say it can't happen. It not, can. not to say it can't happen. It can. But for those in your audience who are listening, who are younger, quote-unquote, air quotes, yep. um, the earlier they can implement that and understand these things that are going to help them to operate at their highest level, whatever that means for their respective selves, mm -hmm. those are the things you need to prioritize in every way, in every way, and do nothing to compromise those things. And if anything infringes on compromising those things, you need to look at what that thing is that you're doing because you know it's taking away from you being your best self. Yep. 
whatever that means. So I know for me, that is the thing I must do. I also know for me that I have to get some sort of physical workout of some sort. So that would be number two? What would be number uh, two? Ooh, in order, in order. Yeah, I, I guess th that would be number two. And knowing, not it doesn't have to be literal in terms of that's the second thing I need to do. Yeah. But knowing that that's at some point happening within my day. Because that already gets my mind ready to know that I'm going to invest in my physical and my mental. Because now, here's another evolution. At a younger age, workouts were all about the physical. Mm -hmm. And as I've grown older, I now find that it's even better for me mentally. Because my mind is now operating at a higher level. The thoughts that I get when I'm on a run or when I'm working out. Like sometimes I got to stop to put the notes mm -hmm. in my phone mm -hmm. because it's just something is happening that's triggering this type of creative thinking that's no holes barred, that's just so free, so fresh, so powerful. Releasing those endorphins. Those man. endorphins are running. So as long as I know that that's going to happen at some point in the day, I'm good. That's definitely my meditation as well. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, again, as a father, just waking up to see the littles um, and, and my wife and making sure that they are going to be set to have an amazing day. Like, setting everyone up to be able to leave the home when we were able to leave the home every day. Um, prepared, fully equipped, um, and not forgetting how great they are. That that's Those are the non-negotiables. Non-negotiables. For sure. How, what, what is an example that you do with your children to get their frame of mind optimized for being legendary? Mm, legendary. Um, reminding them to be unapologetically themselves. And that comes in a number of different instances, right? I've, I've had to tell them and teach them and even show them, hopefully, by my own walk, especially living here where we, we are truly the minority in a number of ways, but being comfortable mm -hmm. with being different, mm -hmm. right? There's a comfort you need to have because it's so easy to assimilate to a mass. So easy, right? There's a, there's a, a great deal of comfort in that. But when you get comfortable with being uncomfortable and being your true self and embracing your difference, that's a, that's a magic a superpower. But... Not only is it a superpower, it's really the best thing to do for society. Mm -hmm. Because if, if we are not all our authentic, true selves, you're not only doing yourself a disservice, you're doing everyone that comes in contact with you a disservice. Because they're not getting the true greatness that you have to offer. The cool thing about that is that being comfortable with being uncomfortable, yeah. that bleeds into other areas of your life. <laughs> Everything. At work. Everything. Relationships. Everything. Yeah. Man, I tell you. How you, you live. How, you, how man, you carry yourself. You know, I've had times, you know, and I've worked at a number of great companies and will still do. Um, and I'll never forget there was this one time where I had a, a senior VP who was my boss. And, you know, in the industries I've worked in, it could be very volatile in terms of, you know, you got to be quick to think on how to change, how to shift. But you also have to be very um, set on driving what it is you want to move and what the initiative is and what the proposition is and what are we trying to achieve. Um, so you have different environments where people are just constantly running around like a chicken with their head cut off and they're just running from point A to point B and just trying to figure things out. And I never forget, it pulled me up one day and said, you know what, there's this thing that's very different with you where you always seem to be at peace and, and even keel with things. And so <laughs> there were two things that I thought of when he said that. I said, well, yeah, I mean, as a leader, and again, remember where this is coming from, a VP. I'm like, yeah, as a leader, you want to show a sense of calm and knowing that regardless of what's happening, we're going to get through this. Now, what the get through this looks like, who knows? But again, you have to have a, a, a sense of calm because you're also an example and a reflection to all those that work beneath or alongside of you. Mm -hmm. So now, if I'm going crazy, what do you think everybody else might do? They might go crazy. So there's an example that you want to set. 
The other thing is, like I mentioned to him, I said, look, I have a sense, of, there, there's a peace within me that I hold very dear to my heart. That's one of the things I value most is my center of peace. So no, I'm not going to allow things to jeopardize that. And I'm going to maintain a level of calm because I also know that I, I operate at the most optimal level when I'm, I'm there, which then bleeds into other people operating at a very optimal level because you're pouring into people whether you're speaking to them or not. So if I'm running around with a chicken, like a chicken with their head cut off as well, that's probably going to be an example that somebody else is going to look to emulate. Mm -hmm. And remember, I'm saying this to a VP who's asking me this question. But in, in, in a way, it was a little condescending because then he tried to say, well, some people might think that you're just not doing the work. I said, well, that's a hell of a perception because mm -hmm. obviously that's not the case. I have a body of work to show mm -hmm. differently. I wouldn't be in... 90% of the seats that I've been in, if that was the case. But that also leads into another thing about, you know, little cliches where people say, but perception is reality. Yeah, that's... No, no, dog, they never finish it. Yeah. Perception is reality to the uninformed. Mm -hmm. When you have context, that perception gets minimized if you have the information of what something really is. So perception is not reality. Perception is reality to the uninformed. Who is brilliant at doing that? Who? Cool. Media. Boom. Fake news. and Like, they are creating the narratives. They're creating these perceptions, but not giving all the context. And they're manipulating. And the manipulation of, of context, I mean, we can go into that's a whole other convo about why that takes place, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's based off of trying to move a people or a person or a thing in a direction mm -hmm. that's beneficial for you. But at the end of the day, really, that's just based off of fear insecurities. When people try to change narratives and try to paint pictures of things or other people, it's really based off of fear that they're trying to deflect yeah. so that no one can then look at them. Boom. Mm -hmm. That part. Mm -hmm. So, again, all these things, once you know these things and you really live by them and you've gone through enough circumstances and situations to see it for what it is, and you've come through it, this thing called life becomes a little easier. Not to say it's easy. Not to say Aster's walking this planet not having to deal with any adversity. I'm dealing with so many trials, so many different things. However, it helps you with how to navigate through, how to manage through. And, you know, I've now evolved to a place where I've had a great deal of success, right? Um, when we always talk about, you know, what does success mean to you? I think I've, I've gone through the evolution of what success has meant for me. Early in my years, it was about, I got to work for this certain company and have this certain title. And, da, da, da. and then it evolved to, you know, I, I want to work with really great people. Mm -hmm. And then it evolved to, I want to be significant, which means I want to add value to others. So it's not about me anymore. It's about others. And how am I adding value to them? be it with what I'm doing or more importantly the platforms that I provide for them to enable them mm -hmm. to be their best selves because I know that's investing into the greater world that we're all having or community that we're all having to live and breathe in like that's now success for me which has evolved to what I call significance bringing value to others that's the that's the thing that gets me going every day how am I helping someone be their best self like, that's the thing that wakes me up every morning. What am I doing to help unlock greatness in somebody else? And even that I had to learn. You know, I left my job at Nike for 14 years because our oldest daughter sings and acts and had an opportunity to be on Broadway. The old thought of success would have had Astor say, oh, well, no, I'm an executive here. I'm moving up. I've got stock options. We're good. We're, we're living the life. Sorry, we can't do that. You can't go to New York, baby, and do Broadway. I mean, I'm not leaving my job. We're not leaving our home here. The evolution was, wait a minute. There's an opportunity. We've found out how our child is bent in terms of what her gift is, and we all have gifts. And the unfortunate thing is that the majority of people go through life not, e not even finding out what their gift was mm -hmm. and not, being in, not investing the time and the energy into it for a number of reasons. 
we actually found out how she was bent and what her gift was. And we invested in it, right? Literally and figuratively. So now we're at a point where she has an opportunity where she's going to be able to inspire and touch a whole lot more people than I am in the current role that I'm in. And please understand the roles that I've been in, I've been able to inspire a lot of people and cultures. But this was something where she now was going to have that platform. So I had to step off the boat to walk on the water to say, no, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to leave. You and I are going to go to New York. My wife and the other two little stayed here. Literally slept in the same home that I grew up in, in New York, Upper West Side of Manhattan. Slept in the same little twin bed. My daughter slept with my mom every night. So she's sleeping with grandma and they're building this relationship that you will never be able to break that bond. And my daughter, our daughter, is singing on Broadway every night to the tune of people coming out the theater and crying. Like your daughter made me cry. She inspired me. I said, the job has been done then. Because that's the goal. How do you use your gifts to inspire people? I look at, I, I love that. Because I, I look at life like you're creating ripples. Mm-hmm. So you're... Your new re- revelation was to inspire others. Mm-hmm. And then you inspired your daughter. Well, no, no, no. I didn't inspire my daughter. We and provided a platform for our daughter right. to inspire right. But others. Right, you did, though, indirectly. Mm. Right, so you inspired her indirectly, which then caused this ripple for her to inspire yes. the hundreds, thousands of people, Facts. whatever the case may be. Right? Facts. And here's the other cool thing. You don't know how many other ripples that you've created in the world? Mm-hmm where it's literally turned into waves. Boom. And and that that is the true fact. And that's why I think it's a selfless thing. Most people think that, oh, I want to help benefit other people. That's selfish because at the end of the day, you feel good about yourself. Yeah, but what about the people that you don't even know? Boom. And exactly, that you're, you might not be able to touch, but the person you touched can touch that like Bobby was able to touch so many different types of people Mm. so it's this notion of you know you were I think you were talking about this like humility right humility for me is not thinking less of yourself it's about thinking of yourself less you get me yes it's not thinking it's just, less, just, you know, yeah. you, but, and this is how deep, Making like. Making yourself less of a priority and put others in front. There you go. Okay. And so when you get to that, I think not only as a person do you grow, but community mm-hmm. grows exponentially, man. Because we're just all pouring into one another. All pouring into one another. And so when that happened with my daughter, and of course, you know, God is so amazing. He's the master architect master architect because it was also a time when I was at this brand where the culture and the brand had changed right Nike negatively oh negatively absolutely it was not the type of work environment that I was going to be able to uh, continue to move up or flourish Um, it became this environment that was building a lot of followers out of fear as opposed to continuing to build leaders Mm -hmm. so which also brought a, a different type of approach and mentality that was the very much corporate approach of people throwing each other under the bus for their own personal advancement, right. which I was never going to thrive in. That's just not my personality. And it wasn't a choice I was going to make to change for that. Um, so that environment was taking place then, which opened my eyes to look outside of the tunnel of just, I need to be here, stay here for the rest of my life or whatever, five more years there. So with the blinders now open and our daughter having this this gift and this opportunity, I'm now looking at it differently. Like, well, yeah, over here is not serving the purpose anymore of me being able to do the amazing things and and provide, you know, impact for others around me. This this is let's let's go do this. Very non-conventional, right? This is not a, a a script. That you've seen play before. Right. Right? This is not something I saw. I was like, yeah, by the time I hit 14 years, you know, one of my children is supposed to be amazing in something and I'm going to leave to go help them pursue that. No. This was, this, this is, this was our story. Mm-hmm. Right? This was unique to us. But what it did was people would look at me and be like, yo, thank you for what you did. I was like, why? They're like, because I then had to relook at my situation and say, yeah, if I'm not happy 
If I'm not fulfilled, or if there's something that I need to do, I need to just go and do it. And you just went and did it. Even when it didn't feel right, but you knew it was the right thing to do. That's what you were just talking about, the ripple that turned into waves. I now see people flourishing on, you know, whether it was their, their, uh, their passions that they wanted to explore that they didn't do because they felt it was wrong to spend time doing that while being on the job or whatever. Or people felt like they should go into different careers. People felt they should be in certain positions and, and be their own advocates for those things and got them. Those things happen. Based off of them saying, seeing you do what you did helped me to do what I then needed to do in my respective world. Not go get their kids on Broadway. Mm -hmm. No. What was right for their journey. I love it, man. It was very similar to the sense that, like, uh, my passion was always music, like mm -hmm. production. So I was able to find a muse with that, with, with podcasting, like, Never, never did I have the intention of it being successful or mm -hmm. to monetize it and make mm -hmm. money off of it. Really, it was it was an outlet for me to be expressive and creatively mm -hmm. and communicating with people like yourself that you know really inspire me and help me think in a different mm -hmm. way. But also the fact that there are you know young men and women actually listening to this right. is pretty crazy. Yeah, um, my, my biggest thing. That, that you touched on earlier before that I wanted to add to was that a lot of people tend to overestimate what they can do in a short span of time and they underestimate what they're capable of doing within like a decade as an example and because of the attention span of young people today is like that of a goldfish maybe mm -hmm. less um, and the instant gratification model mm -hmm. It's really, really tough to develop grit. Very. Like very, 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 very tough to develop grit. So how, how, what would be, I guess, one piece of advice, maybe we'll end on this. What's a good piece of advice that you can give everyone right now who are in the mental state of, I'm too comfortable, I want instant gratification, I want to be able to be successful today, mm -hmm. I want to get the job that I want, what have you. Mm -hmm. what, what is something that you can, like, how can they develop grit right now? Let's say they're 25 years old and they've lived a comfortable life mm -hmm. and they don't really have any kind of tenacity. They don't have, they don't have uh, 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 the, the stubble on their hands. Mm -hmm. They haven't well, weights long enough. Yeah, you know what, I, the first thing I would say is figure out what your purpose is. I think really get in tune with who and what you are and figure out what your purpose is because I think your purpose, once you find that, that is going to invigorate an essence inside of you. What's your definition of purpose? Because most people can think of purpose to be like the thing that I want to do with my life, my mm -hmm. aspiration, is mm -hmm. it my goal? Like mm -hmm. What is purpose? I think it's a little bit of that. Okay. And, and what, what impact do you want to have? What if their impact is just wanting to make money? If, if that's what they feel. Do you find that to be purposeful? Um, I think it depends. That's a great question. I, I think it, it, it depends on, okay, make money and then what? Yeah. Like, make money. Cool. But then what? what? What is that doing? Right? What's the thing that it's doing? What's the thing that this is going to promote? Um, and I guess I'm very biased because, for me, I'm looking at tapping into people's purposes to help define how we make for a better community yeah. for all. Yeah. And maybe that that's just my optimism that I it's no, a I'm, key I'm, principle. I'm with you. I mean, you'll, right? You'll probably agree with the fact that like once you make money or once you hit your financial goal. It's never get, enough, by the way. It's never enough. Never enough. And you still feel exactly the same. Empty. Completely. Empty. So if you don't have purpose you, you need to find it. You need to find it. You yeah. need to find it. And I think doing the work to find and figure out your purpose in your state of complacency, because that, that was a question, right? Mm -hmm. If they're just complacent, means you have a lot of time on your hands. Yeah. So being that you have a lot of time on your hands, you need to invest it in the most important thing ever. And it's not a great stock like Apple or something like that. It's investing in you. Do the deep dive to figure out what is it that I am really passionate about. What is it that motivates and inspires me? What is it that upsets me that I'd love to change? 
What are those things? I can't answer that question for every person. Everybody has a different one. But I think the more people can get in tune with doing that work and figuring out their purpose, you have to, I know, that that then turns on a different battery in your back. I also think that they're incredibly lucky because even 15, hell, maybe even 10 years ago, yeah. you couldn't turn your passion really into a business. Man, or, listen, or make money we are from. in the era of there is no excuses, oh, man. None. There are kids making money off some of the wildest things that I never would have thought. And I give you one great example, which I love, but I sat in many meetings and this conversation came up. I love the resale market in footwear, mm-hmm. right? Now, again, I've cut my teeth in this industry, and I've worked for Nike, Adidas, and being at Boys Club, and Ice Cream, all these things that have been played huge roles in shaping this footwear industry and culture. And at the peak of when the resellers uh, and now your consignment spots have come into play, it, it was a huge conversation in meetings, Right. How essentially companies are saying we're leaving all this money on the table. If we're selling some for two hundred dollars, but these places or these people are able to sell it for three hundred, why can't we sell it for three hundred? Because that's not what you should do. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other thing. The the fact that there are people who they've created companies, and this is their job mm-hmm. to buy something and then resell it, is creative. It's innovative. It's very current, and it's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting. It's only any, giving it's, the brand more awareness and more currency yeah. and value. Yeah. Right. Real because value. and real value Monetary. because well the company's not seeing that. However, that adds into the well, social right. currency. Right. That which if I bought something for two hundred dollars, which which eventually yes yeah. you can't show. There's no equation to right. show that. Right. However, I agree with you a hundred and twenty percent. But the fact that you have people who and kids, man, which I love that have now come into this and this is their job. This is what they're doing, which how could you be mad at that if they're doing something that they're passionate about, something that they're, they're, they, they already were doing, like they love footwear, they love the industry. Now they're reselling these things and making profits to sustain themselves. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. So it goes back to your question or your comment about, you know, this is an era where you can do anything. And really, in today's environment, where we're coming out of this pandemic, we, we know history has shown out of any depression, um, any you know other pandemic of sorts, um, that is when innovation and technology advancements and all these new ideas and creative thinkings come to life. So right now is the time in that complacency if you just want to sit back and take it all in to really just do a deep dive. Think about these things. What are the things that matter to me? What is it that I want to do? What is it that I'm looking at and I'm like, that needs to be different. That could be better. And tap into your purpose. Everybody's purpose, again, is different. You've got to do that own your own work to figure that out. But I think when you're in that state, that's what you need to tap into, figuring out what your purpose is. What are you here for? 